Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. He'll get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francis on the fan. Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN. All right, on this July 2nd, we come to you as always. At 6 o'clock, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it. We'll take you right up until 7 o'clock. For a lot of folks, this is the start of the holiday weekend this evening. A lot of them don't work tomorrow. Wall Street's closed tomorrow because the holiday falls on the 4th. So a lot of things are closed on the 3rd. But I can tell you, it doesn't really feel like a real holiday weekend. It doesn't feel like a like a real 4th of July to me. I I think it's just what's led up to it and what's still going on. And today, you you turn on the news, as I was just watching a minute ago before I came on the air, and already at 5 o'clock, there are more cases today in this country than have ever been in the history of the, uh, of the pandemic. So already by 5 o'clock today, they've already broken the all-time record. They're at 53,000, and they haven't even finished counting yet. So uh, the numbers, and Florida is going... Crazy. I remember when we had all the trouble and Florida had nothing. And I was like, wow, maybe we should go to Florida because we have a home there. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe that's what we should be operating out of. And we stayed up here and it was crazy for a while. And now look what's going on with Florida. I mean, Florida has over 10,000 cases today. Uh, and remember, Florida is going to be very important. It's going to be important from a baseball standpoint. It's going to be incredibly important from an NBA standpoint. The NBA spent over $150 million on this whole concept. Uh, and Orlando is one of the hotspots. Orlando, Tampa, uh, and South Carolina, Charleston. Uh, San Antonio has become a real hotspot. Uh, obviously, on the West Coast, you have issues in California and Arizona. So, I mean, the numbers are staggering, and you don't know if that plays uh, – you know it plays somewhat into whether these team sports get started. Here's what I will tell you about this. And you heard Manfred put his foot in his mouth again. I don't know who's worse in front of a microphone – Manfred or Goodell? I mean, when they are both there and they have not got a script with them, which they're going to stick exactly to the script, they both get themselves in a lot of trouble. And Manfred has gotten himself repeatedly into trouble here. But what people, there's two things about this that I think people haven't paid enough attention to. Number one, the power of the NFL. These other leagues found out that they just couldn't go just flying into NFL season and find friendly networks. The network's are like, hey, do not mess with our NFL coverage. Do not fool with our – we're going to the NFL. We don't care what you're displaying. We don't want your games. We're doing the NFL. And that's what they found out, which is why you have the golf change that you have with Fox and NBC. And that's what baseball found out. Baseball found out nobody wanted them past Halloween. Nobody wanted any part of them. It wasn't like, oh, play the World Series for Christmas. They were like, No. We don't want you anywhere near November. 
So that's what baseball found out. They weren't welcome in that part of the year. Now, we don't know what's going to happen as far as what's going to actually be being played in November because right now two weeks is forever when it comes to what's going on in the world. Anything can change within two weeks radically. Here's what I will tell you. It, there's a chance that these team sports will not start. Is it a good chance? I don't know. I would put it somewhere at 60, 40, maybe even 70, 30 that they do start. But let me tell you this. If they start, especially in the cases of baseball and football, if they start, they will finish. It will take Armageddon to get them to stop because the cost to the owners, if they start and don't finish, is extraordinary. Baseball has to get to the playoffs. They have to. Those are the promises they made. They have to get to the playoffs. This whole thing doesn't work unless they get to the playoffs. And for football, they do not – the football would rather cancel than stop and start. They do not want to start and stop because that's going to be extremely costly to them. And I'm telling you, if these things – people have said what will stop it, and we all want them to define what will stop it. I don't think they ever will define what will stop it because I don't think they want to be held to any rule about what will shut them down. If this happens, we get shut down. If this many players, hey, baseball's not even going to tell you when a player's out. They're not even going to tell you if he's out because of the, uh, he uh, got the virus. They're not even telling you that. He could, be, he could have a pulled hamstring. He could be sick with the virus. They're not telling you. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen as far as who's sitting out and why. I think they're going to speculate everybody has the virus, but it's not going to be the case. There's going to be some players that are going to be hurt. We know that's the case year after year. And this year, you might have a lot of players that aren't in the condition that they might have hoped to be in or, you know, they haven't been watched day in and day out. So some of them, you've got to figure, haven't worked as hard. That's just human nature. But what you can count on is if they start, and especially, especially in the cases of baseball and football, if they start, they will finish. It will take, I'm telling you, something extraordinary in terms of what's going on in this country for them to stop. They will play through it. They will play through a lot. I don't know where the NBA stands on that. I would think it's probably the same. I really can't say for sure about that, but I would say I know it's the truth about football. They do not want to stop and start. They do not want interruptions. They want to, If they're going to start, they want to play right through. They don't want to stop. And I know for baseball, none of this works if they don't get to the playoffs. So once they do start, they're going to do everything within their power. Everything, look the other way, just not worry about it. Uh, Look at the size of the rosters. You could be playing with a team, could be playing with a whole bunch. Now, some of these teams play with a whole bunch of minor leaguers anyway, as you know. Because, you know, look at the teams that are furnished sometimes at the bottom of the league. There's not a lot of talent there. Especially when you compare it to what you know the Yankees or the Dodgers might have. And from that standpoint, they are going to play. They do, they do not want to stop if they start. Now, that's why you still have a chance they won't go. Because that is an alternative they can live with. The alternative they can't live with is start and then stop. That is what they don't want any part of. And that's come out enormously. And the other part is that all these leagues have found out what the pecking order is. 
when the NFL is in full gear, and that's November, get out of its way. We are not, not interested in changing one iota of our NFL programming in any way. Nothing tops that. Not your playoffs, not your championships, nothing. So don't think that you're going to be welcomed in open arms in the middle of November. You're not. And I'm sure that's a, I don't know if that's a cold slap of reality or not. I think most of them realize that, that have dealt with the NFL and dealt with the networks about the NFL, but that's the way it is. So you have nine more players testing positive with the NBA, which brings in number 25. Uh, is that a lot? It really depends who the 25 are. More than anything else, it dep- it, you know, in that league, how many of the top eight on each team are you attacking with the virus? That's really what it comes down to. So there are still a lot of question marks as they head into the holiday weekend. And like I said a couple of days ago, July is going to be about waiting. And if you're a fan waiting and hoping that you can get to the end of the month or in the case of baseball, get to July 23rd, which will be the first game the Yankees will play. And you wonder what Manfred's motivation was in the interview that he gave because when Silva talks, he has a message. Silva's smart. He's really smart. When he talks, he talks, and he, he, has, a me- he has a method to his madness. He knows why he, why he wants to say something. He wanted everyone to know that we still have an out before the season starts. That's what he, that's what he wanted everybody to know the other night when he, was, uh, when he gave that quasi-interview at the Time Magazine thing. He wanted everyone to know that we still have an out. Meanwhile, we're not looking to take the out. We've already spent a lot of money. We hope to get this done. They're also a little worried about the visual in, in, in Orlando where they're playing basketball all day and their numbers are skyrocketing in that city. 10,000 cases already today in the state of Florida. And remember, Florida is an incredibly populated state. I mean, it's not like the old days of Florida. Florida is now, you know, within you know, a very short time, Florida's going to leave New York in the dust in terms of population. Texas, the same thing, exploding. California, long ago. So, I mean, the shift towards the south and the southwest is enormous in terms of population. That's well underway, and it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Just look at the electrocology, and that's all you need to, all you need to look at. But the bottom line is uh, what's going on in Florida right now has got to worry both baseball and the NBA. As we said, uh, we'll chat a little baseball with Keith Hernandez when we come back, back after this. All right, we welcome in Keith Hernandez as we uh, get closer, inch closer on this uh, holiday weekend to uh, baseball, hopefully in, in three weeks. Keith, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. I'm a little bored. But, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm, I know I can find things to do. It's I'm out here, and I got back on the 20th. I came up, and uh, before the, the restriction on uh, Florida from the governor, uh, 
I haven't ever been ever able to enjoy my house here and do the chores around the house, and so I've been busying myself with things that I have never done before. I'm having actually a little bit of fun with it. Keith, I just I just looked up to see your age because I was seeing, and I thought you were in the same age group as me. As a matter of fact, you're the same age as me. But um, what I didn't realize, and I'm sure you know, you're born on Mickey Mantle's birthday. Oh, let me take it a step further. You know who else is born on, on, on my birthday? Who? Juan Marichal. Is that true? I didn't know that. I mean, I always look for guys who are born on Mickey Mantle's birthday because I always like, you know, when you're a kid, you always look to see who's born on your birthday. The only player I ever saw who was born on my birthday, and I know people who were born on my birthday, Pat Riley, Spike Lee, but I always looked at Major Leaguers. The only one was George Altman. Remember George Altman? Oh, George Altman could hit. Yeah, he, he could. A good lefty power hitter. And But I looked at it and I said, my God, Keith's born on Mickey Mantle's birthday. That's why he was my idol. Really? I, I didn't. I figured he's everybody's idol, so he was probably your I know your dad was a big part of your life in baseball, but I figured he was like everyone, every father loved Mickey Mantle. But I didn't realize. So you grew up. How old were you when you realized Mickey Mantle and you shared the same birthday? I don't know the age, but when my dad, as a fireman in San Francisco, would come home in baseball season and bring home, when there were five cents a pack with bubble gum, he would bring home around uh, 10 packs of, or 20 packs of bubble gum of uh, uh, baseball cards. And when I got my first Mickey Mantle card, uh, I turned around the back, of course, and read the bio, and I saw October 20th, and I, I flipped. So here I, I just pulled up on Baseball Reference, Juan Marichal. Juan Marichal, born October 20th, 1937. Wow. Juan will be 83. I mean that's some October. nice ba- that's some nice baseball power. I mean Mickey Mantle, Juan Marichal, and Keith Hernandez all born on the same baseball day. That's a nice baseball well, day. Well, I'm the least of the trio. Yeah, but you were a heck of a player, so that's still a nice trio. It's, it still is. You know that I I understand the other two were you know and Mantle was an immortal, but I understand. But you know that's still that's good company to keep. It really is. I am very 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 pleased that I'm born on the same day as Juan Marichal and Mickey Mantle. You know I was at the game, Keith, in 1960. At the time, I took my girlfriend at the time, uh, we took the LIR, and I was a Yankee fan, took it to Shea Stadium, and Juan Marichal hooked up with Gentry in that classic 14-inning game that AG won with the homer, and Marichal pitched the entire game that night. I, 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 I sat there and was could not believe that he stayed in that game. Now, he never walked anybody, as we, as we know, but what a masterful pitcher. Now, the closest wind-up to anything that I've ever seen uh, with Marichal, with the big leg kick, and they said that, you know, he had to practice that, and he used to practice that in front of a mirror, and that was so extreme with that leg kick, and the closest thing to it was uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Interesting. The amazing thing about him was he didn't walk anybody. No, he was a master. He had a screwball, uh, curveball, and he was just, I, I grew up with Juan Marichal in San Francisco. He was a great pitcher. All right, as a baseball purist, how do you, how do you feel about everything as you get ready for the game? Are you, have you digested everything? You feel okay with everything? I feel that I wish it was 80 games, a half a season, but we'll take what we got. Uh, I think 60, anything less than 60 is going to be a stretch. Um, I'm just glad we have baseball. I just really think the, the country needs it. I think the fans need it. They're chomping at the bit. Um, and I think it's going to be a good thing for the health of the country to see baseball. 
How about the way you're going to have to work? Are you comfortable with that? Well, we're going to be social distanced. Gary is going to be in a booth by himself, our home booth. Uh, obviously, you know we're not going to go on the road. Right. That's a whole different animal right there. Right. Uh, Ron and I are going to have probably, I guess, plexiglass between us, and we're going to be in the visitor's booth right next door. Gary is only going to have the, uh, I guess, the, uh, I'm not sure if it's a statistician or it's going to be the, uh, I can't think of the name of the title, gosh, the title of the job, uh, but they hand him the copy to read the commercials. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, the producer. Uh, so, uh, yeah. it's going to be, well, home games, are gonna, we're going to be able to watch. Uh, road games, we're going to get a, like the Olympics, we're going to get an international, like an international feed from right. MLB, right. and it's going to be the home broadcast. So I just talked with my producer today, and it's going to be where normally when I'm talking about, say, Luis Rojas, the camera will immediately pan a close-up of Luis Rojas, because we're talking about him. Right. And we're going to get the feed from the uh, visiting team. So it may be showing their manager that we're talking about. Right. Their manager. And that's always difficult, but fans, and fans, that's a little stuff that fans don't even realize, but that, that that's going to be a little difficult for you guys. There's nothing you really can do about it, you know? We have one thing I understand. Our director will be in studio, our, and he will be able to have one camera where he'll be able to home feed when we're on the road, when the team's on the road, and if it's important enough. But the problem, my producer said, Greg Picker, is that it's hard to bump out of, an, of, of that MLB feed. It's going to be a delay. But our, our director, John DeMarsico, will have that uh, option, okay, this is too important, we're going to break out of the MLB feed, but it's going to be a couple beats behind our conversation. So it's going to be a real challenge for us as far as broadcasting. What do you think about, as a, as a what's on with Keith Hernandez, of course, as a uh, former player and an all-star player, what do you think the hardest thing for players is going to be? Uh, uh, do you think it's going to be a very difficult transition for them back to, back to the field, or do you think it's not going to be that big a deal? between fans and the today's players. The game has become so uh, corporate and, and personal that I think that the players, I mean, playing in front of nobody, at least when you went to Candlestick Park when the Giants were horrible in the 70s and it was freezing cold and maybe you had 5,000 people in the stadium, maybe, or after they traded Seaver that first year after in 78, what was it, yep. 78 or 77, I forget. Yep. Yeah, the days of Craig Swan. Uh, well, it's just the fans, were, you know, were just, yep. they weren't there. And as a player, you had to uh, find, you know, coming from St. Louis where we play in front of 30 on weekdays and, you know, at least 20 and 50 on the weekends, you had to go there and, okay, I've got to mentally get myself where I'm pumped up to play this game and I'm going to be pumped up throughout the nine innings. They're not going to have anything. They're going to have no feed, nothing to draw off of. 
it's it's going to be like a, a, a B game in spring training. Yeah, it's going to be very, very odd. The other thing I wonder about is such a routine game for you guys. You play every day. You have such a rhythm to how you play. Your body has a rhythm to how you play once the season starts. Do you think it's going to be hard for players, considering the amount of time they've been off, to jump into it even three weeks from now? No, I think that uh, if it's July 24th or 23rd or whatever the date is, it'll be like... um, what was it? The season was going to start March 25th. It's opening day. Uh, I went through that strike year in 81. At that point, it was the longest strike interruption of play in professional sports history, and it wound up being two half seasons, if you remember. Yep, I remember, yep. Uh, I actually did nothing, because Marvin Miller told us and to... Even if you work out, say you're not working out, we want to get the owners back to the table to negotiate. And if you're out working out and you're staying ready, I remember Marvin saying this, then that's going to make my job more difficult, and they're going to, it's, we need to get a deal done. And if you guys are united and saying, hey, we're just sitting back here doing nothing, I'm not working out, that'll get them back to the table fast enough. So I was kind of shocked that the players were working out and made it pretty public. I thought it was a, not, not a good move from a negotiating point of view, going from my experience in 81. Uh, so uh, I think they're going to be ready to play. They'll just pick it up like it's uh, late March. I have a hard time saying late March. I usually want to say early April. Uh, but uh, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I know when I came back, and I really didn't work out at all, and I hit 300 the second half, uh, I just picked it up where it was left off. We knew that at that point we had finished second in the first half uh, to the Phillies, I think, or whatever, and then they, they made the decision that it wasn't going to be the best record over the whole season. It was going to be the two halves. So we had something to play for in the second half, so we were ready to go. So, and I had a good second half. We're talking with Keith Hernandez, of course, uh, who you'll hear on the Met games, and you'll be very happy to have he and Ron and Gary come back in three weeks, hopefully, if we keep our fingers crossed. No one's mentioned this, Keith, but I, I thought about it today uh, and, and thinking about things to talk about with you today. The season's going to start in three weeks. Everyone said it's going to be like spring training. Players can get ready in 21 days. When you get ready... You walk into 40-degree days, 35-degree days, wintry days, windy days, cold days, damp, rainy days. You're going to walk into 95-degree heat. Is that going to help pitchers? Is that going to help hitters? I think it's going to hurt everybody. These players are in great shape today. They work out more than we did. I mean, when I was finally at 28, when I realized that I just couldn't take five months off and six months off, and, or five months off, and do nothing. That I'm uh, not 20 years old anymore. And then I started running cross country, long distance. So I came into spring in shape. But there is no substitute to being in Florida in spring training, and as your manager builds you up to playing nine innings. And I know. People say, well, all you do is stand around. You're out in the field. You may not have any activity the whole inning. When it's hot 
and you're standing out there and you've got a long inning or it's a it's a slugfest where you're out there standing. That's the worst thing is standing and no activity. That wears you down more than anything as opposed to going five for five and hitting a cycle where you're running around the bases like a like a like a crazy man. Uh, you can do that. You're conditioned for that. But the standing and it's the stamina that has to be built up, that's concerning to me. They have three weeks to do it, and they're going to – and this is all new territory. They're going to have to gauge how they're going to – okay, I would play – I'd get one at bat the first week, couple first week of games. i get one, two at bats. I'm out. Then it would be three at-bats in the second week, and I'd be playing six innings, and then I'd be playing eight innings, and then nine innings the last two weeks. It was a gradual buildup. You don't have that this year. So uh, the fact that the players are in such great shape, more probably to play, I think it will be easier for them. But I, I do think coming back in the heat of the summer is not a positive. Would you hit a, if, in these three weeks as you got ready – would you, if you, if this was you, and how you handled your career, would you hit a ton in these games in, in every day? Would you hit every day? Would you hit a lot every day? Would you, would you, uh, uh, be very uh, cautious in how much you did every day? How would you handle it? What you mean as far as I guess getting ready? I mean, just just using these three weeks right now. If you were coming back today and it was you and you were getting ready to play July twenty third, under these conditions, how would you handle it? Would you do a ton of work every day? Or would you be very cautious about what you did every day? Well, I think the better question is, what would I have done during this lull when there's no spring training is going to be very regimented, Mike. Um, Evidently, I mean, the coaches are going to have their hands full. The managers, it's going to be three groups, so it's going to be all day. Right. Three separate groups because of distancing. But spring training is going to be regimented. So I have no say. What am I going to tell Luis Rojas because I'm Keith Hernandez? You know, and uh, well, I'm only. Well, I mean, you can do an hour extra hitting if you want, you're Keith Hernandez. I mean, would you do a ton of hitting? Would you be. Because I would have been probably, if I was playing today. You would have hit. Let's just say if I did nothing, right? I would take extra BP. Yes, but the minute I stop on my groove, and I'd find it before three weeks. You would. Oh, definitely. Do yeah. you think these guys hit a lot, or do you think they just oh, yeah. ran and stayed in shape? Do you think they hit a lot in the last yeah. over these weeks? You do. Oh, okay. Absolutely. These guys uh, live and eat and sleep. They're 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 stadium rats. So you think they've been? You think these guys are ready to go anyway? Most of them, right? Yes, and we just—I uh, just think the hitters will be easier to come around than the pitchers. And the reason why I say that, and Ron Darling, we were on our podcast today on on, on the Facebook Live and SNY, right? Uh, Ron felt the pitchers, uh, the hitters, were going to have a harder time, and I disagreed. I can take BP, and I can get live pitching if I want, which I wouldn't. All I need is. I was a rhythmic hitter. Just get me. I'll take BP, and I'll have my timing, and then I'll dial it up a notch when I got to face the. Could you hit off a machine? Would you Would you hit off a machine, or would you rather hit I off live pitching? Off a machine. You didn't like hitting off machine. I know, okay. No, I need a live arm. Machines like a robot. It's no. It's, it's mechanical. I I need to see emotion. Okay. And it's it's just who I am. I'm not a mechanical hitter. Um, the pitchers, they can throw on the side. Right. All they want. They weren't throwing the hitters. Can, yeah. But yeah. Seventh inning, protecting a one-run lead, runners on second and third, one out. 
and you got to make your precise pitches, ah, it's not that easy. What do you think of the new rules? Are you against the? I know you're probably against the DH being a National League of your whole life. Are you in? The, are you against the DH? Or are you okay with the DH? I'm okay with it this year, but it's going to be the end of it for the National League, and I'm very sad about that. Because my, come on, managers have to manage from the seventh inning on or sixth inning on in a game. You got to make moves. The DH, you can have Roger Clemens or. Uh, I'll be contemporary. All right, let's. Kershaw's out there, gives up four runs in the first. His team pecks away, and it's the seventh inning. You don't have to pinch hit for him. You can keep him in the game. He, he gave up the great pitchers. You get him early, right? And now you got a great pitcher that gets up four runs and all of a sudden throws up six straight goose eggs. You can take him out? Heck no. He can stay in, but with, when he's got a hit, you got to pinch hit for him. All right, so you're anti-DH. How about the other rules? I think the other rules are, are awful. Uh, do you like any of them? Um, but I, I'll tell you what I don't like. Second I base? I don't like the, having the relief pitchers to face three batters. Oh, I think it's the worst thing in the world. No. I think it ruins strategy. It takes a whole group of players out of the game. I will meet baseball halfway. Okay, you want to speed up the game. They, 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 they do their cost-benefit analysis. Give me a break. They want the fans in there. These longer games, they spend more money. Give me a break. Um, the game's too long, I agree. But from the seventh inning on, a manager should be able to manage a ball game. If I got Mike Trout up and he's leading off the inning, I have a right-hander, and then I got a big bat behind him as a left-handed, I should be able to bring Absolutely. a right-hander to face him, and if there's a right-hander behind him, I have I should be able I to bring a right-hander to get him. I hate the rule, and you know what you're going to see? You're going to see a lot of intentional passes because that's how they're going to get around the three-batter rule. Well, at least you don't have to throw four pitches, right, Mike? Right, that's it, but that's how it's <laughs> going to be. And worse than that is the thing at second base. I think that's re- atrocious. Oh, we have innings. Oh, please. Well, you know what, this, you know what this, the, the, the percentage on that is, right? Yeah. Uh, last year, it was over 60% of the runs scored when they started at second base. And a leadoff double, okay, So, which is what it's essentially going to be this year. So over 60% scored, and with, uh, in la- on last season, when there was no one on base, a normal at bat, only, it was like a little over 20%. So yeah, I don't, I don't like it. So again, I hate it. I hate it. And the reason why that people, the reason why that's gone that way in extra innings is because everybody tries to hit a home run. Mike, it's it, it's nuts. And Gary made a good point today. Gary Cohen made a very good point that you're going to have an expanded roster. Yep. What you're going to have thirty, and then after two weeks, twenty eight, and after two weeks, twenty six. Am I correct? Yes. Yep. Why would you not have like a base stealer? You would. And he would be your extra inning guy to steal a third base. Absolutely. He'd, be, he'd, be, he'd have a job. I, the first, that's what the first thing you do is go find someone who can be an automatic base stealer. Absolutely. I agree. It was, it was Miguel de Delon with yeah. Montreal and the Pirates. Herb Washington day. in the and old Herb days. Washington, yes. 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 Absolutely. Billy Hallington will be a star. Yep. I agree. I, listen, I think those rules are awful. I, I, the DH... We can argue all day. The bottom line is uh, 
the uh, other two rules, the three batter rule and the other rule in extra innings, are dreadful rules. Absolutely dreadful rules. I don't well, like either one of them. Well, Mike, it's going to be a, a, we're like Captain Kirk. We're going to go where no man has gone before. Give me a, a thought on the Mets before you go. Uh, do you like the configuration of the team? Do you have high hopes for the contig- for the team? I like this team. They're very. They got great camaraderie. They're young, good nucleus. Uh, you know, you're only as good as your last at bat. You're only you're, uh, when the season's over. You're, it's a new season. You got to do it again. And the the, the 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 true test of greatness is consistency over years. So if everybody performs the way they did last year, um, I think offensively the with the DH with Cespedes, the Mets are very formidable. Very formidable lineup. And I think with this extra time off, it's held to Patances. Uh, he's given him more time off. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to all be about the bullpen. I like what uh, Brody has done as far as picking up veterans. Uh, Jared Hughes, uh, Hunter Strickland. Uh, these are guys that are there. Buck Showalter said, and you read, Paul, I know you read the article, but Buck Showalter came out, and I respect Buck, Buck's opinion on baseball, is that the teams that are going to win are the teams that are going to protect their pitchers have the least injuries to their pitching staff. Yep, uh, and I agree. What, what, would it, what would be, not advice, but what would be the one thing you think, if anything, that, that the big first baseman is going to have to guard against this year after such a brilliant first season? What, what's, the, what's the one thing? I mean, he's human, so, and the sophomore jinx is something that's always hit, uh, has hit many players. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But what is the big thing you think he has to guard against? Not, well, he, you know, it's, he's not going to hit 50 home runs this year. <laughs> I mean, I well, if, he do, if he does, you got a heck of a story. Oh, my God. Not try to do too much, and I saw him last year. You know, it's sometimes a rookie's. How many? We've been in this game a long time, Mike. You've you've observed. I've played, and I've also observed. Oh, there's old Joe Charbonneau comes to mind. Those yep. those, those, those flash in the pants. Yep. Pete is very focused. He's got a good knowledge of the strike zone. He just has to stay within himself. That second half of the season, when he went to the All Star game, he never slumped. In the first half of a season, a power hitter, McNeil never slumped, but McNeil's a, 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 like a Rod Carew, but not a power hitter like what like Bam called Bam Bam. When he came off and he hit the home run derby and he won and all the hoopla and he came back, I was worried, and he got off to a slow start coming off, and I was w- w- watching to see if he'd wilt and crumble under the. And he didn't. He, and the, he stayed within himself. He didn't chase pitches. And the only time he started chasing pitches last year was when he was had 49 home runs. And that is understandable. I mean, 50 home runs, my God. That's Mickey Mantle. I mean, Alonzo was an amazing player and an amazing personality. He handled things brilliantly yeah. last year. So all he's got to do, he's got a great idea at the plate. Stay there. They're not. They, they may pitch around him. Don't forget, he's going to have Conforto hitting behind him. This is a lineup, and it's a balanced lineup. He's going to have a left. Okay, you want to walk me? He's just got to take his walk. You can't go out of the strike zone and stay aggressive. And if they want to walk me, think in terms of team. Okay, I'm on first base. 
I can score. I got Conforto and then Cespedes behind me. You want to pitch around me? Go. Take your chances with those. I'm going to score off the guys behind me. You think about the guys who burst on the scene. You mentioned Charbonneau. Jimmy Hall. Remember Jimmy Hall? Uh, uh got hurt, so it's hard to say if he would have been great or not. A lot of people up in New England always think Canigliaro would have been a great, great player. He was a little, I was a little young then, but he was impressive, obviously, early on before he got hit in the head. Uh, you know, remember Moss with the Yankees early with those home runs he hit the first year he came up. You think about these guys who, these one hit wonders, you know, but this guy looks like he's the real thing. He really does. He's he's confident. I, what do you think? I do think there can be a shot sophomore jinx, and it's because when you're a rookie, nothing's expected of you. Yeah, I think expectations is one. He's got he's clearly the leader of the team. That's one. And number two, I think you said it best. They're going to make him chase bad pitches. He's got to make sure he doesn't get into the habit of doing it. And you know, I had a conversation. Steve Carlton never said two words to me the whole seventeen years <laughs> I played. And all of a sudden, I run across Steve in Philadelphia. How many years ago? And he's he doesn't shut up. <laughs> I asked him. I said, "Why don't you always just throw me slider, slider, slider?" And he said, Keith, he goes, I knew that you couldn't, he goes, you hit two home runs, he remembered, you hit two home runs off me, I thought I could sneak a fastball by you inside. So I was never going to do that again. I knew if I threw that slider away, that you were just going to get a base hit or a double to left field. If there was no one on base, you weren't going to hurt me, depending on the situation of the game. Um, and and um, he said, and if I could get you to chase, my job is to get you to, my job is to expand the strike zone. And I never thought of it because I'm, I'm thinking I'm a, as a hitter offensively. Yep. And I yep. had a good eye at the play. You know that. I didn't chase yep. for pitches. Right. So they're going to try to see if Pete, they're going to try to expand the strike zone. On no him. question. No question. And you said it, the expectations. There's a lot of, a lot of expectations now in year two. Uh, a, a whole bunch. And he clearly is the face of the franchise. So that's a lot to handle. He's still a young guy. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Listen, uh, it's fun to talk baseball again. I hope we're there in three weeks. And uh, stay healthy. Okay? We'll talk soon. Okay, Mike. Good to talk Thank you, Keith, you very much. Be safe. Thank you very much. Keith Hernandez, back after this. All right, not a great field in the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Um, I picked uh, Fowler. I didn't want to pick DeChambeau. He's the favorite. He was a chalk at 5-1. to one. You thought he'd be there. Right now, after one round, you have three guys at 7-under led by uh, Kisner and Stallings. You got DeChambeau at 6-under. He was 7. He dropped to 6. You got Ricky Fowler leading a host at 5. You have uh, 24 golfers that are either 5, 6, or 7-under, so all in the mix. Uh, not a great field. And I thought this would be like kind of a week where Fowler was 25 to one in one place, twenty eight to one in the other place. I thought maybe it was a good week for him to to get going. Uh, so we'll see if he does. He's five under uh, after one round. They'll tear this up again. The winner will be in the twenties. I mean, that's on all these courses uh, until we get to the big tournaments. You know, they just tear these courses up. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, DeChambeau hit a drive four hundred yards. I know we probably had a lot of roll last week, but they marked it at four, over four hundred yards. I mean, that's just insane. It really is. I mean, uh, I, I understand it had plenty of roll to it, but still, it's, it's an incredible, incredible drive. It really is. Um, holiday weekend, as I said, tomorrow, the uh, Wall Street's closed as an example. A lot of other stuff is closed, too, for a lot of you. I know the holiday weekend starting tonight, so drive safely and uh, enjoy it to the best of your ability this weekend, um, considering 
all the stuff we're living through right now. And uh, on this day today, we are, you know, three weeks away, uh, three weeks away from baseball. Uh, hopefully it happens. The Yankees scheduled to play on the 23rd. Um, everybody underway by the 24th. So, you know, this is the month and the weeks of waiting coming up the next couple of weeks, uh, other than a couple of events uh, and some horse racing uh, and some golf and a couple other things. There's not much going on for another couple of weeks, but hey, uh, we should have a very, very active uh, August, a very unusual August, uh, if everything uh, keeps to where they can at least get it going. And I know their motivation is to do that. It really is. We'll see if that's the case. Uh, Yesterday was the 33rd anniversary on the exact date of the fan. The fan has put together a lot of shows over the weekend. Um, They have special tribute shows like there's a Mike and the Mad Dog Hour um, Sunday night. Uh, There's hours for a couple of the shows. There's also, you know, Ross Salzberg and Steve Summers who, who... at times, four a lot, but they're coming back to do an hour together. Um, they're both too old to fight now. So um, Eddie and uh, Dave Sims are doing a show together. Um, there's a whole bunch of people working this weekend that obviously that either were fan originals or did shows for a long time on the fan. So if you feel nostalgic this weekend, you can look back on hearing some of the stuff. That was part of the uh, history of the fan. Maybe uh, some of the sound bites, maybe some of the highlights of games, and I know a lot of the show stuff uh, will be displayed this weekend uh, through Sunday. Um, we'll be back with you on Monday, um, and then uh, I think I'm off the week of the 13th. I am off the week of the 13th, so I'll be back the week next week. I'll be with you uh, at 6, and then I'm off the week after that. Um, but... Uh, Uh, Still, it's a couple of weeks where it's about taking one more step to get closer and watching and see what the surrounding areas are doing, see what's happening, see where, you know, things are getting better, where things are getting worse, and see if they can actually get this off the ground. Like I said, once they get it off the ground, they are going to be extremely reluctant to stop. It's going to take a lot for them to stop. And that's why I think you will see them be very, very uh, uh, hidden or very even cryptic about what their protocols will be that will shut them down. I don't think they want to make that hard and fast rules. I think they would rather leave it open to interpretation and see where it takes them. And only in the worst case scenarios will they go in that direction because that's not what they want to do. If they get started, they want to continue. For baseball, they want to get to the playoffs. For the NFL, they want to have a full season. We don't know about college football yet. College football, remember, has to deal with the fact that they can't have college athletes on the campus playing and practicing if there's no students on the campus. That's a look they can't get past. I mean, we understand that college sports is big business, billion-dollar business, and that many of those players, not all of them, some of them are diligent student-athletes, but others are just using that as a vehicle to the NFL. We understand that. Okay, there's some both. But that cannot be the message that the university sends or the college sends. So they have to be very careful with how that happens. And I've heard a lot of different things, including a college football season that would begin in November and finish in March or begin in December and finish in March. That is a distinct possibility. Don't know yet 
where they are as far as that goes. We have not heard a lot yet about college because college is much trickier. And plus, remember, college doesn't have the seed money to do what, they say, the NBA has done or to have the resources that the NFL has. They have money. Some of these schools have a lot of money. But again, doing it at every one of these schools, not easy to do and extremely expensive. And you're dealing with, in those cases, you know, 70 and 80-man teams. I mean, those are, you know, those are very, very big outfits in major college football. You know, there's a lot of people there. So, uh, and you're not even counting coaches and uh, student, you know, uh, equipment managers and all different trainers and all different staff and everything else. I mean, it's a lot of people that outfit a college football team. So, again, we don't know where that's going to lead us. JJ's next. We will be with you tomorrow night to kind of start off the 4th of July weekend, so I'll be with you at 6. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program. Have a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.